What's up, guys, and welcome to the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Orlick. Hey, listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Follow now. Hey guys, it is Saturday, April 16th. We are doing a very special episode today. We've got Steven Vitovich returning from the Sports Ethos team to join me in talking all things Warriors. We're going to follow up from our earlier call in the season where we gave out mid-season grades for the Warriors, as well as continue to preview the upcoming Denver Nuggets Warriors matchup that's kicking off tonight at 5:30. Talk about some rotational trends and um, interesting matchups that we'll be looking at heading into this series with the Denver Nuggets. Talking about how the Warriors closed out the season and more. So, really special episode and guests that you guys don't want to miss. So, without any further ado, let's get right into it. Hey, Stephen, how's it going, man? Good, good. How you doing? Pretty good. Can't complain. Thanks for uh, taking the time to hop on the pod and talk some dubs. Absolutely, man. Uh, how does it, how do I sound? Good. Awesome. So we got some uh, playing action this week. Um, before we really get into all warrior stuff, quickly just get your take. Were you surprised on any of the play in tournament action? Looks like we got the Timberwolves and the Pelicans in the West, and then Atlanta. Um, shoot, and then who's the other team in the East? Uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, that's like right. Every, yeah, you forget about them because they feel like they belonged in the playoffs already. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they're still the second favorite. So that one definitely didn't surprise me. Uh, I guess the biggest surprise had to have been Paul George entering health and safety protocols yesterday. And just what a shame it must be for all the Clipper fans out there. I, I, I feel bad for them. I, I mean, what a, if it was my team, I would have had trouble watching that game after that news. Um, so that was the biggest surprise to me. Yeah. I don't think the Clippers have a better chance to beat the Suns than the Pelicans, but still, to your point, just as a fan, you know, hate to see that non non health injury or non injury related um, health issues holding out your best player from playing in the most important game of the season. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the Atlanta-Cleveland game, I thought was a really good game. I I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Um, I think Atlanta could make some noise against Miami. I don't think they'll beat them, but um, they can they can put it on you offensively. The defense is the big question mark. Uh, and losing Capella was probably not going to help them. But Okongwu is pretty good. I think we're going to see a lot of him against uh, – against Bam and the Heat. Yeah, I I was pulling for Cleveland personally, but um, yeah, congrats to Atlanta. I just like Cleveland's story. They were so good earlier in the season, derailed by injuries. Great to see Jared Allen like really fight to get back um, to help this team have a chance to win. Um, But that Cleveland team is pretty young, so I feel like they'll be in a good position to to, uh, try again next year. Yeah, they're definitely uh, looking up, that's for sure. They'll be in the playoff mix next year, 100%. They just need to get some some help on the wing this offseason. Right. Uh, I think if they shore that up, they're big. So Lori Markinen also, what a game. I mean, like, he helped his stock this offseason. I'm not sure if he's a free agent or not, but, man, he looked good last night. Or, yeah, last night. Yeah, I love the team in scoring. Um, yeah. Darius Garland is, just continues to be up-and-coming young point guard, proving himself. Karis LeVert, I think, really 
looks like he fits in well with what they're doing. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Colin Sexton in the off season. But anyways, yeah, it's uh, the fun, the joys and fun of the NBA. You know, I see a lot of people still kind of on the fence about being supportive of the play in tournament for situations like what we're seeing with like Brooklyn and Cleveland, Atlanta in the East, where there's just too many good teams that deserve the, to make the playoffs and, you know, only eight spots. So it was kind of an interesting year because for so long it's been the wet, the powerhouse to the West. Um, and that kind of worked out for the Warriors. Um, didn't work out so well for the Lakers, <laughs> but I'm supportive of the playing game. I, I think that you need that additional motivation for those fringe teams Otherwise, you know, teams really start to pull the plug and games start to become more of a pickup exhibition type um, earlier in the season or not earlier, but close before we really get to like the last five games. You know, if you're like 10, 15 games out post all-star break after a few weeks and it's not looking good, you start resting your stars. um, And it's just not a good look for the NBA. It's not a good look for, for, the players um it'll be interesting to see you know there continues to be a push to reduce the number of regular season games which i'm in support of as well because um i mean the game has changed right it's definitely not the same nba game that's being played today as it was 10 years ago as it was 20 years ago so i think that the rules need to continue to adapt and change um to help make sure that it's the best product on the floor. So if we're seeing that stars are continually getting hurt or guys need teams feel like they need to rest their stars to make it through a season. Well, that just doesn't really make sense. I don't think that's what the intention of the league is. So. I agree with you on everything you just said. I think they should shorten the season by 10 games. Um, I really like the play in tournament. Um, Maybe some years it'll be slightly unfair um, with a team that has, you know, close to 50 wins. And then for some reason, since it's a, a one game kind of a thing, maybe a team with 36 wins will beat them. And I think in those years, we'll be really disappointed with the play in. Um, but outside of that small window of something like that happening, uh, I think it's, it's great for the league. Um, it's terrible when you have the last day of the regular season mean very little. And that's how it felt this year. It's not fun when the Portland Trailblazers are trotting out a lineup of, you know, CJLB, Trenton Wadford, Chris Dunn. Yeah, a bunch of bad stringers. Like not, yeah. even, not even the second team. <laughs> Literally, we're, we're digging into the G League third third team <laughs> yeah when uh, when pokushevsky needs to be rested down the stretch <laughs> i mean you, you got you got an issue on your hands um but yeah i'm with you on everything i think that uh shorten the season by 10 games uh preventing any back to backs would go a long way because we see a lot of guys um you know just on the warriors clay thompson's uh he's been rested on one half of every back to back Otto Porter Jr., um, I think for the majority of the season, has had that same treatment. And that goes for all 30 teams in the league. Maybe they could make up some of the revenue by adding two more franchises in. Um, Maybe they can do, you know, one of those in-season tournaments um, where they can even maybe invite a G League team or maybe an international team or two, I think would be fun if they could make that work. Travel would be hard, but there's ways in which you can make up the revenue that you could lose um, by cutting the season by 10 games. Uh, So I totally am in agreement with you on that. Yeah. And and I mean, you know, we're Warriors fans. Warriors lost in a play in last season, right? I mean, for a team that was kind of that fringe, um, in that position of like Clippers, Timberwolves, Lakers area of the standings this season, kind of being like seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, it took that flirt curry flurry to close out the season to get the Warriors into that top eight and then losing two play in games and falling out of the playoffs completely. So, you know, it's it's uh it's not just a biased thing, you know, even us Warriors fans who have experienced the 
unfortunate nature of the play in tournament, you know, one and done or, or two games and done. Um, if you're not able to execute and you're in that position, oh, well, you know, that's, that's the value of, of finishing in the top six. Um, but then this season for the Warriors, I mean, finishing in third in the West, third overall best record in the league, um, after getting off to that incredibly hot start, 29 and six, and then really kind of floundering, dealing with injuries. You get the return of Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson looks good. Then he doesn't look so good hunting his shot, really just kind of being like a volume shooter, not really being a, a great contributor on defense. You got Andrew Wiggins named all-star starter, looking like Wiggins is rounding into a steal for the Warriors. Then you have post all-star break Wiggins, which isn't looking so good. There's all kinds of narratives, ups, ups and downs, dealing with injuries. Andre Iguodala not really playing for a while. Draymond Green missing 30 games. Kavon Looney playing in every game in the regular season. Jordan Poole just being incredible, doing everything that's being asked of him, whether it was the starting two guard to start the season, whether it was coming off the bench as a six man when Clay Thompson returned, whether it was um, playing starting point guard when Curry went down. Um, just so many different things for this team, so many different uh, kinks and, and little wrenches thrown into this group. But I'm very impressed for the Warriors finishing third in the West throughout all of that, even in a kind of diminished Western conference this year. Um, it just really speaks a lot to that group and, and not even having their three best players complete a whole game together, 11 minutes on the season for Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, uh, a crazy ride of a season. I feel like we've had um, definitely two distinct stretches um, before Clay and after Clay, obviously Draymond got hurt in there too, but I feel like that was the biggest wrench that was thrown into the team. And anytime you're bringing a guy like that back, you can always assume that there's going to be um, some growing pains, even with Clay Thompson coming back. So I think a lot of it could have been expected. Um, obviously Draymond getting hurt then uh, threw another wrench into the plans altogether. But um, I think there's a lot of great uh, takeaways from this Warriors regular season. One amazing thing that you could just like step back from a futuristic standpoint is a lot of people were talking about the Warriors trading their young assets to go and win now. But we're seeing around the rest of the league um, you know, the Clippers experiment doesn't look like it's going to be working. Uh, Brooklyn's uh, combination of, of stars, their big three, so to speak, that hasn't worked so far. You know, the Lakers, they got one. It worked. Um, they got in the bubble. So that one worked. But all of these other instances in which teams are going all in and, and just trying to get as many stars and and. Uh, mortgaging their future the Warriors haven't done that and I think that that should be um, a credit to Joe Lacob and Bob Myers uh, I think sometimes GMs can get a little bit antsy and they listen to the outside noise and I think the Warriors have done a good job of um, trying to win now and trying to keep the cupboard full so that we don't have the uh, early 2000s or the late 2000s Warriors, um, where they were just uh, not in the mix. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and even further down that that point of trading for a star, the the most um, common names of stars that I heard people being interested in or were potential. I don't even know if they were the teams were shopping them, but like a Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard or Miles Turner, like all those guys got hurt. None of those guys are healthy right now. So where would the Warriors have been had they actually done that? Um, and you just assume that, you know, the same injury kind of plays out. I mean, they'd be even worse off. And then you look at a team like Portland who had this, you know, parental, these two 
incredibly uh, skilled offensive weapons, but two net negative def- defenders and CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. And, you know, I think, you know, that experiment finally came to an end. Like you need to play defense in order to win games uh, or at least advance in the playoffs. And so it's great when your back court can put up, you know, 50 to 60 you know, on average, but if you're giving up 50 to 60 on the other end, you're not really, you know, moving the needle. And so you're going to trade Andrew Wiggins or, or package Jonathan Kaminga and Wiseman for like a Brad Beal, who's like an undersized shooting guard who doesn't defend. Like where, where does that, how does that work? And especially you look at the warrior system and more importantly, Steve Kerr, and this is a defense first kind of guy. So just, you know, a lot of cases of us fans thinking that we know better than, than GMs and sure, you know, it's easy to look at a small sample or, or a few games or one game and say, look, this is why they should have done this. And this is, you know, it's so obvious that this is look at this film and this is what this means. And uh, we just got to take a step back and trust the process. And sure there are I'm not trying to say that every team's GM is, is um, you know, locked in and making the right choices and, and, you know, even Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, you know, they've, they've acknowledged and admitted to making mistakes in the past. Nobody's perfect, but yeah, I think, I think you're, you're spot on that they've done their best to not feel pressured by the noise. Bob Myers come on a few times and acknowledge that there's been, you know, you know, hindsight 2020, they probably would have gone out and got another big, but nobody really anticipated Draymond Green getting hurt or James Wiseman not playing a game for the Warriors this season. And, and there's just no way to predict that. And so you make the best decisions that you can with the information available at the present. Sometimes you roll the dice, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But anyways, here we are finishing third best in the West with really only one healthy center for the entire season. And, you know, Draymond Green missing a third, you know, a third of the season. And yet we survived. We, we survived against, you know, the Nikola Jokic's, the Rudy Gobert's, the Carl Anthony Towns, just fine. You know, where would we be without Kavon Looney or, or even Jonathan Kaminga for that matter, who I think is um, really proving himself to be uh, incredibly good value pick at number seven, at least for what he's shown us this season and, and where, you know, I think his, uh, his ceiling could be for the. I, I lost you there for a second. Oh, sorry. I was, I was uh, saying, um, Jonathan Kaminga and his in his ceiling, the glimpses that he's shown us, um, and what what he can be and what he can evolve into, um, and what his ceiling can be heading into the future. Yeah, you know, oh man, his ceiling is so. I think it's untapped. Like I don't think we we keep on taking out the attic and we just haven't gotten to the roof. So I don't even know where the ceiling is for Kaminga, which is a great sign for all warrior fans. Um, I am much higher on Kaminga's future than I am on Wiseman's for obvious reasons. I think that probably goes without saying, uh, I don't know how big of an impact he's going to have in this postseason, but I know he's going to play minutes because they need him. And the one mistake you alluded to earlier that the warriors made, and if, I, I think you're right. Every single GM is going to make a mistake. Every coach is going to make his mistake. Every player is going to make a mistake. That's what makes being a fan so much fun. And like, because you can't predict everything. If you could predict everything, then sports wouldn't be as enjoyable and we wouldn't be fanatics of teams. So the Warriors made a huge mistake by not getting another big body into, into the, onto the roster. Um, on a two-way contract, prove themselves, and then maybe they get elevated to a full-time deal. So at least you have somebody to put in other than Kaminga or Porter Jr. or Bielitsa or JTA. Those are your options outside of Looney and and, uh, Draymond. But um, Kaminga's future, I definitely think it's – I think his ceiling is all-star. I I think that's pretty safe to say that he could be an all-star. He could 
probably get to an all NBA team one day. If he continues to develop, obviously this is projection, but I think that that is the ceiling. Would I say that he's um, on the level of an MVP? No, I don't think at this point, I, I can't say that he could get there, but I think that at this, based on what we've seen this season, I think it's safe to say that he could be an all-star um, one day in the NBA. And I think it's reasonable to say that he has a chance to make an all NBA team. Uh, he's got a lot of work in front of him, but what we've seen um, the small electric plays he makes on the court, uh, his frame, um, his, his uh, ego almost, I, I think is something like I see Moses Moody out there. And to me, he looks a lot more tentative uh, with the Warriors. Even some of the games in the G League, he looked a little bit like he was he went down there for the playoff game and he looked a little bit tentative. I only watched the fourth quarter, uh, whereas Kaminga looks a lot more assertive offensively. Um, and I think he's just got a a little bit more confidence in his game than Moody does. And I think that shows on the court. Uh, so I'm much higher on Kaminga's future than I am on any other youngster on the Warriors other than Jordan Poole. I mean, I, I actually even think, I'm not sure whose future, whose ceiling I'm higher on between Kaminga and Poole. I'll say that. Poole is a lot further along, but I think Kaminga can get to to at least that level when he's 22 years old. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to circle back to one thing you mentioned and um, maybe kind of challenge that a little bit. Um, you know, I do think that if you knew that Wiseman wasn't going to play a game this season for for just kind of protecting the health of, of Draymond and Looney, you would probably like to get another big on the roster. But considering how things played out and where the Warriors – landed in the standings and how many games that we threw away that we, that were very winnable games, even with the guys who, who were healthy and available to suit up kind of similar to last season. Right. I mean, there were at least five to 10 games where we just didn't execute whereas very winnable game um, that could have even pushed us into second. The fact that you didn't have a, another big on a two way or a veteran big, like a Robin Lopez type player to just throw out there meant that, you know, by necessity, you needed to end up playing Kaminga as a small ball five and experiment with that and, and kind of dig deeper into the smaller lineups that I really did think kind of open up Kaminga's game and give him another path to get more consistent minutes. Because otherwise, as we saw to kind of start off, start off the season, Kaminga was basically in a timeshare with Juan Toscano Anderson kind of playing behind Draymond as a four or even as a three. And it wasn't really until we knew Wiseman wasn't going to play um, and, and Looney started getting banged up a little bit and needing to have other options to throw out there at the five that Steve Kerr kind of decided to start experimenting with that. So I do wonder if the Warriors had brought in a legitimate piece as a third string center, whether it's on a two-way or, or signed to a, a vet minimum deal, how would that have then impacted the development of Jonathan Kaminga and, you know, how would that narrative kind of played out? So I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if I regret, I don't think I regret the decision that they made to kind of roll the dice and, and how it played out. Cause it did definitely open up more minutes for him that he otherwise wasn't getting at the start of the season. Uh, I do agree in the, in the, comparison of how comfortable Kaminga is compared to Moody. But I do think that Moses Moody has flashed a lot of his upside and what he's able to do as kind of like a, a combo guard. That's a really good rebounder that can knock down the three. He did have a nice stint of three, four, five games where he looked super confident where he was starting that game in Miami where he like went out and scored 20 points in the first quarter, I think it was. Um, so I think Moses Moody definitely has a lot to offer this team in the future as well as a young piece, but yeah, he's definitely not quite um, 
as far along from a confidence perspective as Kaminga is, but I do also think he was a little bit more buried in the depth chart just because the Warriors had such a plethora of, of wing depth compared to um, front court. So, and then, yeah, yeah, like you said, Jordan Poole, or go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, you, you make a really good point. So uh, your point on uh, the Warriors not bringing in a big man kind of allowed uh, Kaminga to get more experience um, this season, more opportunity, a more defined role where he knew he was going to play every night. That, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I think that that's something that will benefit the team. Maybe not. I mean, maybe it'll benefit the team this playoffs. I, I am having trouble imagining Kaminga making a winning impact in a playoff series against uh, most teams. Um, but I see, I do agree that it could go a long way towards his, um, his season next year or the following season. Like you're, you're, he's getting his reps in now. And if you had brought in a big man, perhaps he would be buried on the jet depth chart and he wouldn't, he would have, um, we would have a longer waiting process for Kaminga. So I really like your point there. I, I, I agree with it um, more in the long term than the short term. Uh, but I, I do really like what you said there. Yeah. And we did get a taste of, of what the postseason rotation is starting to look at towards the last five games of the season. Once you had Otto Porter and Andre Guadalla healthy and, and Gary Payton as well. So, and Steve Kerr has been asked, kind of about that and he he's Kerr's been pretty adamant that he really likes the second unit rotation of pool pool or Thompson because it could be either one uh with Peyton Iguodala Otto Porter and Bielitsa and that is a pretty is a pretty good group a pretty veteran savvy group a little small at the front but you got Bielitsa who can operate as kind of that playmaker and you got Gary Payton and Andre Guadal and Otto Porter as kind of solid defenders. So, you know, we did see Kaminga's role kind of, kind of diminish a little bit, but also at the same time, his skill set is very unique for the Warriors. So I agree with you that in most playoff situations or matchups, he's probably not going to see significant minutes off the floor, but maybe you know, it's, it seems like he'll get a handful of minutes in the second quarter and then potentially in the third quarter again, um, Steve Kerr rolls him out there. He did like playing Kaminga next to Curry. They, they seem to play well together. So I think he kind of went away from that a little bit when Curry went down because it afforded Kaminga easy looks at the rim when, when people sent two defenders at Steph Curry. But Kaminga's ability to just put his head down and get to the rim and draw fouls, I think will be a valuable skill in the playoffs, depending on who we're playing and who's on the floor. And so, you know, Kaminga has proven to be a permanent monster. So even in a five to eight minute role, he can come in and score 10 points, draw three, four, five fouls, get to the line. He's proven to be much more efficient shooting his free throws in the second half of the season than he was in the first. The question is going to be defense, right? If Kaminga struggles to defend consistently, which has kind of been an issue, not that he is a bad defender. It's just that he's a young player. He goes for the high risk, high reward plays. He goes for steals. Um, he has trouble keeping his man in front. He gets lost a little bit. So I think that's going to be the hardest thing for him to stay on the floor in a playoff matchup, but there will likely be times where the offense is kind of stagnant and it's just, just like, all right, Kaminga, just put your head down and get to the, get to the rim and draw fouls. Um, and we'll see if his game kind of translate his regular season game kind of translates to the postseason, how the officiating goes, if he is able to continue to be effective in that playoff atmosphere, like he was in the regular season, but there isn't really anyone, anyone else on the team outside of like Jordan Poole, who just gets to the rim and, um, draws so much attention. Yeah, I, I agree with you, um, that. He'll get his opportunity. It'll be a small uh, amount of minutes, uh, you know, knock on wood, everybody's healthy. Um, but he'll have his moments uh, in the playoffs. And I think he'll have flashes. I just, 
I, like you, it's hard for me to trust such a young player. And like you said, especially on the defensive end. Um, and it'll be interesting. I mean, we got the Nuggets tonight. Um, I, I think when I was on the last time, I actually talked about how I was a little bit scared of the Nuggets, especially if they get their two guys back, which they haven't gotten back and it doesn't look like they will. Um, but uh, yeah, Kaminga might be able to see some, some run um, in tonight's uh, first game. Uh, and I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, that's a good point. I do think that as far as Western Conference opponents goes and the the side of the bracket that the Warriors are on for this postseason run, I do think that the Nuggets are the most friendly team matchup-wise for Kaminga to get some opportunity. Uh, Memphis and Minnesota, I think, will be harder for him to see the floor, and they also have um, a little bit more stouter, tougher front court defenders that, you know, he might struggle a little bit more that would maybe, you know, give him less opportunity. Whereas if he's playing in the second unit against DeMarcus Cousins, (laughs) he should be able to get to the rim. There's opportunity for there to be a mismatch there. Um, But yeah, yeah, it is kind of a nice full circle. We were talking about Denver the last time around and yeah, they, they, there were reports that Jamal Murray could return, um, but it's like, he hasn't even played a game this season it's kind of unfair to think that he, you know, put that pressure on him that he could come back and return. It does seem like maybe if the Nuggets did somehow beat the Warriors, that maybe in the second round, that would be more realistic that he could make a return. Or maybe if it went to six or seven games, he he comes back in a very limited sense. But I mean, he's, if he's on the floor, he's going to have to guard Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, one of those guys. And so that's just not, that's just not really fair to ask of one of your better players who hasn't had an opportunity to get into game shape to just come back and think that they'll have um, a a real impact over other guys that, that are, that are healthy and have been available. And then Michael Porter Jr. I just think that there's no, I don't think that there's any shot that, that he'll be coming back uh, for this postseason run. Yeah, it'll be um, on the, I agree with you on, on Murray and Porter. I mean, back issues are really hard to, to judge and knock on wood for, for Draymond's back that it, you know, that he's over everything he went through earlier in the year. Um, I, I'm interested. My thinking on the nuggets is that, you know, obviously everything goes through Nikola Jokic. So are the Warriors just going to try to not double Jokic during this series and, um, prevent him from being a playmaker for others. Uh, try and get make sure his assist numbers are low, his scoring and rebounding you can't help those he's, he's going to get. Um, but try to prevent him from making plays for others. Is that going to be their focus tonight and the rest of the series? Um, that's my think? sense. Yeah, that, that's what I feel like. If you can, you know, Jokic is going to get you know, 30 and 10 or 30 and 15, I think that that'd be, you know, you'd really have to have an off game to not hit at least 20 and 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you make Jokic work for all those points um, in the first half or first three quarters. And then down the stretch, yeah, you want to play him straight up with Draymond or Looney, who have both proven more than capable. Draymond actually has not played against the Nuggets this season, but historically we've seen Draymond um you know, basically be able to handle anyone in a one-on-one scenario in, in certain moments. So, yeah, I think you you play him straight up down the stretch of, of a close game and force Jokic into either taking tough shots that he's had to work hard for all night um, and don't give him anything easy and, and don't give him any any easy passes to anyone else to finish plays and, and, and help take the pressure off of him. Yeah, and and he uh, this season he has been uh, known, especially in the latter half of the season. I think his turnover numbers went up. So if you can turn him over, um, let's say you're not going to do it every game, but if you could turn him over five, six times, let's say tonight, I think that goes a long way. Uh, if you keep his assist numbers down and you turn him over, I think the Warriors have a really good shot at beating the rest of the team it's 
It's all about Jokic. Uh, and he is, I will say, he is the best player I've seen play the game this year. So the Warriors tonight, um, they'll have the better team, but the Nuggets will have the best player on the floor. Uh, and that'll go, that'll stay true the entire series. I mean, maybe Steph has a night, but Jokic is on another level, in my opinion, right now. Uh, fortunately, they don't have Murray and Porter, and that really helps our chances. Uh, and I think the Warriors will get the win. But um, Warrior fans have to be aware that Nikola Jokic is likely going to be the best player on the floor every single night. Yeah, I hear you. For for a regular season game, I, I agree 100%. But I do think that the playoffs is another season in and it of itself. It's officiated differently. Um, it, it's just a different kind of physicality. So I think, I honestly think it remains to be seen. I think that the, with the way that Clay Thompson's been playing and averaging um, nearly 30 points and five and a half threes per game over his last five heading into the postseason, I mean, if Clay's putting up 30 a game because um, he's shooting lights out from three, he could easy, easily match Jokic in points. And yeah, he's not going to get like, 10 to 15 rebounds and five assists. So I'm not taking away that Jokic is, you know, was probably, you know, deserving of the MVP again and what he's done over the regular season and how impactful he is um, for the Denver Nuggets. And he's their most important player. I think my only point is in the playoffs and even um, once you get into the last four teams, I do think that the game changes and the intensity changes. And so it's not necessarily a foregone, foregone conclusion that, you know, Jokic will be the best player on the floor in that in that series. That's true. I mean, just look at Laurie Markkinen yesterday. So yeah, you, right. you, you have a good you have a good point. So uh, I, I I'm I'm so excited for Warriors playoff basketball. I have to say, I feel like a a kid in the candy store today. <laughs> I, it's been I mean, it's been since uh, since that terrible Clay Thompson ACL tear. I guess one game after that, but um, that's the last time that we tasted the playoffs, which isn't that long, you know, we're, we're definitely spoiled, but it's, it's feels so good to be back. Yes, it does. Um, and, and talking a little bit more about the matchup with Denver, I am a little bit curious because I haven't seen anything officially is, is what do you think the Warriors starting lineup is going to be? Oof. You know, that's do, a really good think, question. You know, Steph Curry probable, but I mean, come on, Cur yeah, Curry's no. going to play. He's going to—he's likely going to be on a minutes limit, but I don't think that means much. Curry is a permanent monster as well. But I think that there's two ways that they go. You know, either the traditional Green, uh, Green and Looney starting front court, or do they start small with Steph, Pool, and Clay? Yeah, I. Um... I know that Clay is going to be in the starting lineup. Uh, that I think is a certainty. I'm going to assume that it's just going to be, if I was to like, let's say go to Vegas and put some money on who I thought was going to be the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. I would say it's going to be, they're going to bring pool off the bench and it'll be Steph Clay Wiggins green and Looney. I think they're going to go with that starting five and they'll bring pool off the bench. That would be my guess. Um, I could see Wiggins maybe coming off the bench. Is that who you would think would be coming off the bench if they decided to um, to insert Poole into the starting lineup? No, no, no. Wiggins is still the best defender, best wing defender on the team. Clay Thompson hasn't hasn't yet proven to to be back at that level he was pre injury. So, hundred percent, hundred percent Wiggins. Who on the Nuggets is uh, putting fear into your heart? I guess Will Barton on the wing? No, not necessarily anyone putting fear in my heart, but Steve Kerr is a defense first coach. So he's gonna put out his best defensive, his best defensive. So player. you would think you would think Looney or Green comes off the bench if they go with uh Poole Curry uh, Thompson. It it could be Looney if if the plan is to to guard Jokic single coverage to maybe um uh -huh. kind of save. So it's like Looney or Draymond is on the floor at any given time. But yeah, I, I do think I kind of agree with you. They'll probably go the traditional Steph Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney starting lineup because like I did kind of mention earlier, Steve Kerr really likes that second unit rotation with uh, Peyton, Otto Porter Jr. 
Iguodala and Bielitsa with one of Poole and Thompson. And so um, if you don't start Looney and Draymond, that messes with that second unit group because when is, you know, when's Looney going to check in? So maybe I just kind of answered <laughs> my own question. What the, um, you know, the, actually, but when you say that, you know what scares me when you say the second unit is who of those guys guards Jokic, Porter or Bielitsa? Is Bielitsa neither. guarding Jokic? I think, the, I think the point is that that group's playing against Cousins. Okay, okay. As long as that's the case, and I don't have to see Bielitsa um, guard Jokic, which I saw in the, in the regular season, and it didn't go well. Um, so... No, but that I think is, if they if they if that unit does have like a few overlapping minutes with Yo- against Jokic, then they would probably double. And then uh-huh. I think you have Peyton and Iguada who are more than capable to help double Peyton, especially uh, who just plays like a seven footer for like a six foot three guard. It's just incredible to watch him work on defense. But he's proven to be very fairly adept at. Um, fighting in the post, being scrappy, just making little plays. But yeah, I, I mean, come on, the elites is not going to have a chance at, at stopping Jokic, but maybe you can at least um, deal with a few overlapping minutes if Jokic is going to play, you know, 40 plus minutes, uh, which is kind of what we expect, right? It's the playoffs. So yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting for sure. I do think though, even if Poole comes off the bench, Steve Kerr will try and find a way to play those three on the floor at certain points, the Steph, Clay, and Poole trio. Um, so that might be – yeah, I don't know. As I'm kind of thinking about it, I really have no idea where Steve Kerr is going to go. And then he's even kind of alluded to this, that rotations and, and matchups and all of that, it's going to be different, and there are going to be nights where, where certain guys don't play down the stretch and everyone kind of needs to buy in and, and accept that because his quote is like, we need to win the damn game. So – you know, you've got your, like, my thoughts on, like, a death lineup, which is historically included, like, Andre Iguodala. So you'd think that, like, the the Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Iggy, Draymond, like, death closing lineup. But then do you put Poole in there and do you take Iggy out? Um, you know, does Wiggins maybe come out at times if if they don't have a, a threat on the wing like you kind of mentioned earlier? that maybe maybe we don't need super um we don't need two-way wigs to 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 really defend work and defend out there on the wing so maybe you can put him on the bench and uh close with um with pool so it's going to be interesting to see how all of that how all of that works out um it sounds like it sounds like good problems to have as a head right coach, you know? yes at the end of the day you want to have more options than less i couldn't agree more yeah uh, here's one. I got one question for you on the Nuggets series. So Jokic is obviously, you know, he's Jokic. But uh, who on the Nuggets team outside of him do you think could play the biggest X factor for the Warriors? Like after game two, we're, you know, it's, maybe the series is tied 1-1 and we're scratching our heads and we're saying, man, this guy X Really, we need to find a way to slow him down. We didn't expect him to be uh, to play as well as he has. Good question. Um, historically, I'd probably say Will Barton because he's always been a Warriors killer, as uh, mm-hmm. Fitz loves to say. But Barton's been kind of up and down this season. But I would probably say Will Barton or Aaron Gordon. Gordon has a lot of size that I think will be tough to deal with but um you know we've got Draymond and uh, and Otto Porter Jr. and kind of holding down the four spot to contend with him but Gordon can hang around the rim and get a lot of easy dunks so those those would be my two what about you Uh, and Gordon one other thing on him is he's a Bay Area guy so maybe he'll get up for the for the home games um or the away games for him but uh he grew up in San Jose so um, very true maybe he'll have a little extra edge uh i would i like your 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 take on gordon and definitely barton i think barton will have his nights but then he'll have his off nights yeah i think he's been inconsistent his whole career <laughs> and the warriors just happen to catch him on on nights where he's hot another guy I'd, i i'm a little bit afraid of he hit the game winner against us is monty morris 
Um, he's a guy who I think could have uh, a moment. He already has uh, hurt us that one that one game. Um, and then uh, a sneaky pick off the bench who can get hot is uh, Bones. I'm a big fan of Bones Island. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I'm I and a reality perspective, I'm very interested in his future. Uh, I don't think if I was to put money on a second guy, uh, it would probably be Will Barton. I think that would be my pick. Um, but I think Bones is a guy to watch out for off their bench. Yeah, those I, those are all reasonable, reasonable takes. Uh, Monty Morris for that game that he hit the game winner. And I think he scored a bucket before that, before that game winner too, in kind of that last, that last 90 minute, 90 second sequence. But before those two shots, he only had like five points on the night. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was good for him, for him in the nuggets that he hit that clutch shot, but I haven't felt like historically he's been like a thorn in the warrior side. One, one interesting thing though, that I did want to mention is Compazzo, Facundo Compazzo, he's actually suspended for game one, um, going back to a flagrant two foul that he received in a regular season game against the Lakers for shoving uh, Wayne Ellington in their last game, their season finale game. So not that Compazzo is a significant piece in the rotation, but he is actually an interesting player in that he's guarded Curry pretty well at times over the last few seasons, just for whatever reason, his size and um, his hands are pretty good. And so he's, I've definitely seen a few different times them the match up and Compazzo gets the better of Curry in a, in a three, four, five minute stretch. So not having that option for coach Malone, in this chess match, I think does play in the Warriors' favor. But Bones Highland, I think, is an X factor as well. He'd been incredible playing off the bench. Um, very talented scorer as a as a rookie. And so that'll be that'll be interesting to watch and see how that um second unit pans out for Denver. Cause historically, you know, kind of like the Warriors, when Jokic isn't on the floor, just like for the Warriors, when Curry's not on the floor, the team has really floundered. So um We'll see, we'll see what Denver does in the non-Jokic minutes, and we'll see what the Warriors do in the non-Curry minutes as well. Absolutely. I got, um, if I'm going to give a prediction on the series, which I feel obligated to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, what you got? Uh, I'll say uh, the Warriors take it in. I'll be ambitious. I'll say five games. Uh, I think the Warriors can take down the Nuggets in five games. Jokic has one amazing game uh, that the Warriors aren't able to to get over the hump, and uh, they finish it um, at home in game five. Yeah, I think five games is pretty reasonable. I mean, when you look at how good the Warriors have been playing coming into the postseason, you know, finishing 5-0, and oh, the only other team to do that was the Los Angeles Clippers who were just knocked out lost last night, 12th in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating, uh, third in net rating in that stretch of five games. And then you, and then you think that's without Curry. You're going to throw Curry back into the mix. Um, I mean, everything looks like on paper that the Warriors should take care of business against Denver without much trouble. I think that the Warriors have so many more pieces and offensive firepower than Denver at the same time, the Denver Nuggets will have the best, uh, biggest body in Nikola Jokic. And so a lot is going to be asked on, uh, asked of Draymond Green and Kevon Looney to, to be able to shut him down. And then the, not chemistry, but just kind of figuring out what the rotation looks like and the shot distribution, because now you've got Curry when you've had pool and clay like combining for you know 45 shots a game in the last in the last 5 or 10 games the two of those guys putting up you know almost 50 to 60 points per game so it's going to be curious how all of that plays out and and if which version of Andrew Wiggins shows up in the postseason but at least on paper I, yeah i think a sweep or or even five games is is really what the expectations are here it's not 
not a, a it's nothing against the Denver Nuggets who who would be a much more formidable opponent with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. It's just that this is this is the proven you know dynasty core of of Steph Clay Draymond Iguodala and then you've got Poole and and then you've actually got legitimate pieces off the bench for the first time in however many years you know since how long has it been going back to maybe like Jarrett Jack since we're gonna have a real guard come off the bench who can score and facilitate um and just real pieces and not like third string or g league guys like uh um glenn uh glenn robinson the third or um jordan bell or some some of mckinney even like great great locker room guys and great hustle guys who i have no no qualms against but not guys of like the caliber of Otto Porter Jr. or Nevenya Bielitsa who have like a much more polished game and are actual veterans that that can in theory step up in the right moment but who knows you know that that's what's so exciting about all of this you know you got to win four games um anything can happen in any given night the, the game does change and evolve from the regular season to the postseason and uh you know, like like we were saying earlier, at the end of the day, the Warriors only have 11 minutes of Steph, Clay, and Draymond on the floor at the same time. Wait, is that is that true? That hasn't I haven't heard that before. for this season. <laughs> I'm, joking, the, I'm joking. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah right. um, I I have one more question I wanted to ask you. Um, yes. I think the last time we did this, we got Sam's grade at the halfway point um, mark of the season. I think it was right around the all-star break if my memory serves uh i was wondering and what do you remember what great i thought they got a, a b plus or a minus yeah yeah b plus a minus hovering around there yeah so what would sam's grade be uh in the latter half of the season second half just looking at the second half or just or the just season or you could take it however you want i'll do both because i think i do think it, it's different um, I would say in the second half of the season, the Warriors get a B minus C plus. There was a lot of poor basketball being played, regardless of who was available and healthy. The defense really dropped off. We went from, you know, the number one ranked defense. And at one time through a significant stretch of games, when we were playing like 500 ball or sub 500 ball, we were bottom fourth in the NBA in defensive rating. Um, and that was with even like guys like Otto Porter on the floor um, and Andrew, Wig- you know, Andrew Wiggins being available for, for nearly the entire season. So I, there was definitely some uninspiring play going on for quite some time. And so I think that that hurts their grade a little bit, but um, if I look at the season as a whole for the incredible hot start that they got off to, then the, then the uninspiring play and then finishing the season on a high note, five and zero, securing the third best record in the NBA third in the West. Um, I'm going to give them a final season score of an a minus definitive a minus. All right. All right. Over 90%. Good job. Warriors. <laughs> what about you? Uh, second half of the season, I would say, um, I would give them a lower grade, but I think that integrating a guy like Clay, like I mentioned earlier, is really difficult to do. And so I think it comes with its own, um, troubles. So I'll give them, I'll give them a C, um, and on the season as a whole, I would say that they have surpassed my expectations going into the season. Um, Not by like a whole lot, but I did not expect the hot start. I didn't expect uh, Kaminga to really even be playing that much of a role this year. Um, I, I I would say that I would give, I'll, I'll be, I'll go right along with you. I'll say a minus. Um, maybe like even close to an A of a season. The only ding uh, is I wish that they had gotten a big. I I understand what you're saying um, on the fact of Kaminga, and I'm 
happier now than I was before this podcast. I'm glad that you uh, you shared that opinion because it's really a good point. Uh, but I'll say um, that I'll give them an A minus, and the only reason is because they didn't add. Uh, instead of getting Quindary Weatherspoon, uh, maybe they could have gotten a big. Um, and that's the only thing I'll say uh, against them on the season as a whole. So, And then real quick, props to uh, Kavon Looney playing in all 82 games this season. I mean, on that topic of, of the Warriors not getting a big, I mean, for a guy that had just been struggling with a myriad of injuries throughout his career, he's still young at only 26 years old, but what an accomplishment for Kavon Looney playing in all 82 games, one of five players in the NBA to do that this season. And I think only like one of two players or three players that uh, made the playoffs that were on winning teams. Yeah. And probably the, maybe the oldest player on that list. It's very possible that he is the oldest player was it Dwight, I, I think I, Dwight Powell and Mikhail Bridges. So I don't know age wise. Okay, I think he's okay. kind of hovering right around those two guys, but yeah. Okay. But yeah, very impressive for Kavan. I mean, his collarbone injury, and I think he had like back issues that, you know, nerve issues, which I always am very fearful of nerve issues. And my, I, I feel very bad for anyone who do, does have nerve issues. I'm so happy for Kavan Looney. I mean, he is, he's got a, um, a Q score in the Bay area of a hundred right now, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think, uh, I think we're, ex- we're beyond excited here in, uh, in the Bay and on, down here in Southern California, but um, finally back warriors postseason basketball, hoping for a long extended postseason run. It's going to be amazing to get, these guys back on the floor together in the biggest stage. I think that it's criminal that the rest of the league or even maybe mainstream media continues to rule out um, the Warriors as kind of being the front runners for, for winning it all, not to take anything away from Phoenix, but um, you know, Stephen A. Smith's the only one that I've seen come out really is, is mainstream media and say that he thinks the Golden State Warriors have a good shot to win it all. So um, I think everyone's just kind of forgotten what this team was capable of and, and why the rest of the league kind of gave up for all those years when when the Warriors just kept going to the finals and kept steamrolling everyone. So um, and then I like it better when they doubt us. Right. Exactly. Just feed the fire. Um, yeah. You got a lot of guys who were, um, you know, maybe this is finally the year that Steph Curry wins his finals MVP um, accolade. But yeah. Um, couldn't be more excited for this and it's going to be a gauntlet of a race you know warriors would be looking at memphis or or minnesota if they're able to take care of the grizzlies and then probably phoenix for the western conference finals but um we'll see it's going to be really interesting and intense and uh it's going to be a lot of really good fun exciting playoff basketball to watch even outside of the warriors this is the uh the exciting part of the season. Absolutely. Sam, thank you so much for having me on. Um, you do a fantastic job in all things Warriors. And I, I'm so excited. Let's, let's, let's get a W tonight. Hell yeah, man. Um, real quick, before we sign off, you want to plug any, any shows that you're working on or anything like that on your end? Uh, yeah. Uh, over at Sports Ethos, we're actually... Um, Got some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline for anyone who is a fan of uh, fantasy football. Um, you know, there might be something coming down the line. So uh, just be tuning in uh, this summer uh, as we get ramped up. Um, and then always we got the discord chat open. We got articles coming out. Uh, we're going to be doing our end of season articles where we talk about our lessons learned. Uh, from all the pros there. Um, so just be on the lookout for um, sports ethos, end of season fantasy stuff. And the fantasy season never ends. Um, I'm in a dynasty league myself and the off season is, is when things really get started up. Uh, so if anybody's ever considered playing uh, dynasty fantasy basketball, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, sports ethos is the place to go, not only for uh, fantasy sports, also uh, for betting, we got a great betting team, one of the best uh, 
deals out there um, and they're very transparent of their winnings and how much they win unit wise. I'm not as much into the, the betting side, um, but those guys are absolutely brilliant. So uh, go and follow uh, Sports Ethos on Twitter and, and check out the website. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll catch you guys uh, next time. Thanks, man. Thanks again. Let's yeah. go, Dubs. Let's go, Dubs. Hey, quickly, before we sign off, we also want to remind you all to use coupon code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping, and also to check out our pals at MyBookie.ag. Use code HoopBall on the third page to sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Please give me a follow on Twitter if you haven't already at SDOrlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go dubs, and we'll see you for the next one.